0: All right, strap yourself in for the next 30 minutes, and I promise you, you will learn something. All right, welcome to the Field Famous Podcast brought to you by Field Routes. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Visano. This is a show that shines a light on the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I wanna remind you that the best way to get new episodes of this show is to subscribe on your favorite pod player, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, wherever you find podcasts, you can find the Field Famous Podcast. This show is also available in video format. If you prefer to watch the interview, you can subscribe right there on YouTube. You can go to BeFieldFamous.com. You can find all the links to all of those pod players, YouTube, and the show notes for the show. Uh, Last but not least, if you're really enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review. That'll help the show move up in the rankings, and that way other people can find the Field Famous Podcast. Our guest for today's show is Seth Garber, CEO of Pest Daily, co-founder of Fraction. He's involved in a lot of different entities. He's here today to talk to us about what he's up to. Seth, are you ready to be field famous? Hey man. If we're getting famous, we might as well do it here, so let's Let's, go. Let's go. All right. That's a a great answer. That's one of the best ones I got. So, Seth, you're a busy guy um, in terms of what you're up to in business world, but before we started, you told me that you like to have fun in life, and business is not the only thing that you're doing, which... Is very appreciated. So the first thing I want you to do would wouldn't mind just introducing yourself uh, to the audience, and then I want to talk to you a little about that philosophy because it's an excellent philosophy.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, well, hey, audience. I hope everyone's doing great. Uh, I probably know a tremendous amount of you guys, and uh, you know I feel really fortunate to be here. So uh, yeah, that's where I guess we'll get started, man.
0: So, so Seth, tell me a little bit about, I always like to ask this question, you know, where this is the Field famous podcast. We're in the field service industry. There's a lot of pest, pest industry owners here, a lot of pest control companies, uh, owners in shop and techs and, and, and some lawn. And so, you know, people in this game, how did you get involved in the industry? Tell me a little bit about where, you know, where you're in your life, how, how you got to here and in into that, that world.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know one of the things, uh, one of the things, man, is in uh, the people that know me is I'm not, I'm not a huge talker about myself, so I'll do the best I can here. Uh, But yeah, I got into the, uh, I was a a corporate sales at CentOS back in the uh, late 2000s, I guess, or early to mid 2000s, and uh, I got approached by the head of service operations from my branch and said, let's go start a, let's go start our own business. And uh, sure enough, in 2000, in 2008, we got into the pest control business. I started a company from the ground up. Uh, company, ultimately went on for four and a half years. I sold it as a multi-million dollar business we built, and uh, we ended up selling it. Uh, but the interesting thing that I think about is the progression that we've had in my career since then is probably what allows us to be so impactful in the industry today. So after I exited uh, from the pest industry in 2012, uh, I ended up uh, being non-competed out for five years. And so I moved into the healthcare sector, uh, ended up as the CEO globally for a building company, big backstory there. Um, did that for a while in the healthcare consulting space. Uh, ended up taking an exit. Ended up moving into high tech. Uh, scaled up uh, through, well, scaled up two companies really strong. And one, we had a little bit of a failure in the high tech world. Uh, took exits from two out of the three. Uh, but then uh, in 2017, this all happened all the way up until a year or two ago. And then 2017, I started a consulting company in the pest industry as more of a side hustle, kind of hobby, just because I missed the industry a lot when my non-compete was done. Um, And uh, that business continued. And so I ended up moving. uh, There's another big story to it. But I ended up in uh, 2001, uh, moving full time back into pest industry. I started Pest Daily, uh, built a consulting firm, and uh, and now they're all at scale. scale. So the consulting firm, we operate in 80 U.S. markets, um, have oversight under about $500 million of revenue. Uh, pest Daily, which we started as an e learning platform, has about 1,300 pest control companies using it as a training platform. And then our most recent uh, endeavor is Fraction, which is a, a bookkeeping CPA firm.
0: That's incredibly data-driven in the pest industry, so that's uh, kind of our path, man. That's kind of how we got here. So, so the, what I want to ask you is why why pest control? So I yeah. ask this to everybody that I talk to, whether it's lawn or pest. I always ask that question, and I always find that like I get a wide variety of answers. So, take me back to the original mm-hmm. before the uh, the first exit. Oh, why why pest? What was it about it that intrigued you there? Yeah. So, in you know,
1: in all honesty, the we looked at a lot of different industries. And so if you think about being a 20 something year old uh, and at Cintas I was the number one rep in the nation across all divisions. And so I got approached by an ops guy, my operations manager said so let's let's go into business ourself. And And really we looked at a lot of industries. And so I think we looked at about 30 or 40 and the things that we cared about were two things. Number one, how were the barriers to entry? And number two, it was their recurring revenue. And uh, we ended up falling on pest control due to some relationships that we had, and uh, that's how we got started. And um, and frankly, that and we that's how it always has been since. And so the benefit we had, though, and people have heard me tell this story, is that we didn't know anything about the industry. We got into the industry and uh, had to figure it all out. And I think that gave us a huge competitive advantage as we built the business. And I think even today in our consulting practice, it's what it's what given our clients the biggest consultant or
0: the biggest competitive advantage. So what were some of those things that you learned as your way through like people listening to this are like well dude this guy sounds like a successful guy like he built a company and i'm I'm trying to grow my company like what are some of the things that you learned in the game that you felt were that were very successful and then on the other side of it, what are the things that you like that didn't work well for you that you were like man that's a mistake I'm not gonna keep doing that
1: yeah so let me let me walk you through like the phases to be able to help uh, you know help the listeners yeah. for, for the podcast so so in in phase one, when we got into the pest control industry is, I think the biggest thing was, is that we didn't have any understanding of the industry. And so I'm a, one of the rare people who actually owned a pest control company before I ever performed a service. And, um, and so we didn't know any better. So I think the biggest thing was, is, you know, we were hungry. And so, you know, so we had to go out there and figure out how to make it happen. And so when I started going through that process is I looked at my competition as real competition. I didn't care what they were doing. I didn't care to network with them. I didn't know anything about associations. I had no idea how to go learn the industry. And so really what we were good at is we were really good at sales. And so, um, and when I say sales, it's much different than your conventional door-to-door company today that runs like a five-step door process. We were very good at commercial sales in developing and writing commercial sales structure. And so, um, we ran a commercial sales playbook. And, uh, you know, I literally walked down the door, walked down the street, walked into commercial buildings, and, and literally wrote proposals for everybody and then followed up on them. That's how we got started. And then as we progressed... Um, as far as phase one is we got incredibly, incredibly specialized. So we learned how to go to the commercial real estate market. We learned how to develop standard operating procedures. We were the very first company that got the Green Pro certification in the state of Florida. Um, and, and we went through healthcare and a bunch of different places. But my, I think the biggest thing that I learned in phase one is that as a pest control company to go to scale is I wanted to service customers who did not have pest issues. And so that sounds crazy to the audience, but the reality was if someone has a pest problem is that it really does create inefficiency if you're trying to build a, a, a tight recurring revenue route because now you're jumping service calls. You're doing all these things. And so I wanted stuff that was clean and high dollar. So I wanted banks. I wanted healthcare, I wanted industrial real estate. Um, and then as we went up market, we moved into the health systems and stuff like that. And uh, that's the stuff that I really care about is phase one. Now, phase two was interesting. So Can I stop
0: you there just for one second? Did you sure. find it challenging to, and is this pure sales to try to convince someone that doesn't have a pest problem that they need to keep it that way, or were they fairly like, uh, you know, open to that obvious? Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's a great question, and and we could dive deep on that for hours. But the here here's the thing is that. If what we found as we went through our competitive analysis is every single pest control company, in, and even the majority of them today, are out there going, hey, you have a problem, we're going to solve that. Where we hit the home run is we said, wait a minute, the things that are important to your business are the way that we're going to position our company. If we can do that, then it doesn't really make a difference because you're going to have to hire a pest control vendor and you might as well hire us if we understand your business. And so I'll give you an example. And so let's use um, let's use a small... Uh, let's use a small healthcare practice, maybe ten locations. Well, if I walk into a small healthcare practice today, and I'm a conventional pest control company, I'm getting a phone call. They're saying we have an ant issue. We're going, okay, great, we'll solve your ant issue. It's X amount of dollars per month, and and they say, okay, great, and then we just service that account. Well, where we got really smart is we said, okay, what if, what's most important to these people? The most important thing at, the, at that time was dealing in HIPAA compliance mm-hmm. and, co- and compliance to uh, management of PHR, patient health information. And so where we got really good is that we said, hey, what if we trained our staff in what that is? And then what if I could walk into a healthcare account and position ourselves is understanding that this is the most critical component of their business. And oh, by the way, we happen to do pest control. So we're gonna give you this world-class level of service because we understand that us training our people protects you, which right. ultimately helps you guys accomplish your goals. And by the way, if you guys see value here, then you're gonna see value across your whole portfolio. Right. And we would sell the whole portfolio at a time. That's what we did. Okay,
0: so you spoke their helpful? language pretty much, right? Like you came in there knowing and understanding what they got. And then by the way, we do pest control. Is that what it is? But how, how did that work? Because you're a pest control company. Right, so you don't, you're not in HIPAA, really, right? So how how wh- tell me how that magic happens? How did you? Su-
1: super super simple. So so we would go study it. So and now understand my background. I had some background and understand yep. this specifically, but. Yep. Uh, but we did the same thing in other industries that we had no background. And so we would go through, we identified within the, P- the HIPAA guidelines, the section that called out badging of your staff and training of your staff for the medical teams, right? Yep. How they would train their own people. Yep. And we executed that same training internally. That's what we did. I see.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Very smart. Yep. So, okay, so, so phase one. So now phase two.
1: Yep. So phase two, what I would call phase two is my learning phase. And so phase two is when I had to leave the pest industry. And so in phase two, I'm out of the industry. I'm building high tech companies because I'm non-competed out. We're building consulting firms in the health, in the, in the senior living or healthcare sector Mm -hmm. at Build, which was the largest consulting firm. And so phase two for me was starting to see that other industries are far, far, far advanced versus the services industries. And so as I'm going through and I'm learning and learning and learning, now what we're doing is we're getting to a deep understanding of a lot of the data sets that exist in the, in the other worlds and building more successful sales processes and getting better and better and better, Be- getting better at operations, getting better at understanding marketing, getting better at understanding consumer buying behaviors or B2B buying behaviors. And then that moved us into phase three, which is what we do today, which is bring all these kind of kind of forward-thinking learning back into the pest control industry. Is I see. That, is that helpful? I, yeah,
0: that's very helpful. So let me, you talk. You mentioned marketing. I'm, I'm wondering, um, I was, I'm a marketing guy. Um, I'm, a, I'm a neuroscientist and then a marketer. Yep. So like my whole shtick is the psychology of what you're thinking and what the customer's thinking. And I try to always leverage that. My whole My whole game is marketing is about choice and product and sales about choice. There's many things to choose. And so my goal is to make it not a choice. My goal is to make it so obvious that you want to buy the product that I'm selling that you're not thinking about the other choice because I've eliminated your choice and I eliminate your choice by being being the thing that you want and you need and that's up to me to create and to eliminate okay. the rest of the choice so in pest control it's an interesting game of marketing some people take the knocking route a lot of people the starting up will go knock doors and then they get some money in those don't tend to be like long-term highly retaining clients right but they get you cash up front that you can build and go. Tell me a little bit about the marketing strategies that you saw be successful in the pest control game. Cause there's a lot of different ways. People go all in on digital. People don't people go knock doors. Like I'm just in commercials a little hmm. different than residential. So tell me a little bit about some of the marketing tactics.
1: You may see so related to when we built our organization or how we
0: build them today. Uh, start with how you did it then. And then I'm lo- like, you know, I would love to hear how that's, how that's evolved. Yeah, if it has, yes. Maybe you're, maybe you're still going the same way. So
1: there's a lot of components here. So one of the things that we were very successful at is that we hit a very specific time in the world, and so we also had a big residential operation. But we had a very special time in the world. So if you go back to 2008, is uh, there was there was a huge opportunity for LEED certified buildings, right? Yeah. Which is uh, which is the the you know leadership and in energy and efficient design, and that was a huge deal then. Also around that same time. Is that in California there was something called the San Francisco IPM Tier Three methodology, okay. which was considered to be the most uh, advanced environmentally sensitive programs that existed in the U.S. at the time. Okay, and so where we were, what we did that was incredibly smart. Looking back, is that we really positioned ourselves as as the true environmental choice, whether it was residential or commercial, um, and and that's what we did. And so and we got very good. And so we would position ourselves in that way in high high profile public buildings. Uh, convention centers major museums things like that and we would win them from there we would then we would then leverage those relationships and then from there we would leverage it up into really big public media stuff uh like and, and we found in that back in that time, Digital was much easier than it is today. Uh, it was much, much easier. So building social media groups, super simple. Building Facebook following, super simple. Uh, building networks, super simple. It wasn't as much of a game as it is today. Um, so we did that very well, very well organically. Uh, then what we also did is we had we had really large billboard campaigns that okay. went out there, uh, which was great. But the thing that the thing where we nailed it, the thing we nailed it on the residential side, is that every every and this is this could provide a lot of value for your guys out there growing their businesses, is that. We actually would take, uh, essentially create sub. We would essentially create domains for every single local market. And so, like, let's say for example, you were, uh, you know, whatever the the name of the neighborhood, Live Oaks, Live Oaks Community. Well, we would have Live Oaks Community Pest Control, and then we would build local pages for all those, sell the HOAs, and then build referral programs into all those in, into uh, into those separate those separate domains. Is how we did it. And that, oh. but that was that. Yeah, that was 2008. Google changed the rules about not being able to do that today. So. Yeah. Um, But on the commercial side, there was very, very limited marketing on the commercial side outside of deep networking into uh, BOMA. Yeah, much yeah, different yeah. game. Yep.
0: So how, how has it evolved today when you talk with, with shops? Like where, where, where do you focus them in their marketing endeavors? If they're like, Hey, you know, I got, I got, I'm making this much money. I'm doing, I'm doing 2 million. Is there, do you have a formula on percent revenue or on how much you should be spending? And do you have a breakdown on digital? Or are you still out in traditional? I'm just curious. This is just more it's fascinating to me on when i when I hear someone who's done it in different ways. Yeah. So,
1: so I will tell you this is I am. um, So our, our company as a whole, we are not a marketing agency. No, I understand. Yep. Yeah, so we work, the fortunate part to us is that, and I'll use our consulting practice. So in our consulting practice right now, we have 80 U.S. markets. The majority of them feed us data. And so they come through, you know, your organization on your, you guys' marketing side, other marketing agencies. I think there's about five, five agencies that support, that, get, that we get data from now. And, and and so what I care about when we look at these companies now is I like to, I like to look at the cat cost That's what I really care about. Um, the different tactics across the U.S., there's tremendous amounts of different ones. And uh, and I would tell you that the majority of them work as long as they're executed well, as long as they're executed consistently. Uh, you know, from my perspective now, I mean, I, it, there's there's probably not a, there's probably not anything very unique going on in all honesty right now. The, the, one, the one thing that I do see that we are getting huge traction with right now but is isn't it really for the growing operator is uh, utilization of of PR mm-hmm. so in the PR world our clients are killing it that are investing in big PR
0: firms right now really? like they're, killin- they're that, killing it they're killing it like killing it that's mm-hmm. interesting that's that's yep. a, that's very interesting cuz like i think a lot of pest a lot of these people don't think that way, right? They're just I think it's like it's a lot of brainwash. a lot of people just focus on digital, 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 digital and trying to get in there. But digital game is very crowded. It's very cloudy right now. Suit gets super expensive. The chart the, the, you know, the fees keep going up and then it gets you because it's like, well, you gotta spend more to compete. You gotta spend more to compete. And then the next thing you know, you're throwing in money just to compete and you're building on your own name, all of this money just just to do that. And then you take a step back and you're like, wait a second, what? What am I doing here? So that's interesting because yeah. that's a, that's a different play, an interesting play.
1: Yeah, I would I would say, and, and uh, I don't know how I don't know how uh, crazy we get here on you guys' episodes, but uh, I, I would tell you that uh, the digital space is is not only crowded, but from my perspective as an outside consultant and looking at all this data, it's very very sloppy as well, and um, it's very very sloppy right now. I mean, it's you know, you guys have sophisticated organizations who are competing against guys in their basements. And um, and the the typical owner-operator in our industry doesn't really know the difference uh, in most cases, which is a a huge problem. And so there's a lot of – and I'm just going to call a spade a spade – these like kind of bottom feeder marketers who are just taking advantage of people, mm-hmm. and they might not be doing, and, and they're not doing what you guys as organizations or other agencies are doing. Who are more sophisticated, who are actually really putting thought, hiring the right people. You know, they're doing anything to make a buck, and that's that's a big that's a big challenge in our industry
0: right now. So before I get into more detail on what you're doing right now, you know, and and tell me a little bit about about that. Like you know, you were, you were dabbled a little bit there. I want to I ask this question to anybody that has been in the past or in these services and has exited, and my question really is, and and I get I get I've been getting similar. Answers, but I love to ask. It is when you started the when you got into the pest game early on the first that first jump in. Your was your plan always to exit? I'm assuming it, it wasn't. Okay, so that was my first question. And then it's when when did that real when did that happen? When did you realize wait I, I'm going to exit or I want to? And did you shift strategies and how you ran the business when that became the goal? If that makes sense
1: it it does it does and my my situation is probably a little unique compared to some people and and so we built the company like so when we started building the company the benefit i had is my my partner was incredibly good and when i say incredibly good we didn't make a lot of operational mistakes that people have when they're a startup um because we were we came from the service operations industries and and they were good so we from the time we started our business we didn't have the bumps on how to route. We didn't have the bumps on efficiency. Our bump was, can we sell fast enough? That was our bump. And once we solved that, we were good. And so, um, you know, so four years down the road, uh, we had some interpersonal kind of things going on in the business. And uh, and and anyway we, anyway, we decided to leave. And so the point that pushed me over after discussions with my partner was, um, you know, I was super young, man. I mean, I was 20, I guess I was 20, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I was 30, I was just, I just was almost, I was 31 years old, okay. just turning 31. And and honestly, man, like my life changed. Like I, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, without getting into the figures, all of a sudden I had, was, I was about to get a, handed a check that was gonna change my entire life forever. Right. And, um, and so for me, it was more of didn't plan it, had a very very successful company running incredibly strong EBITDA and um and and the the deal was right man I mean I went home talked to my wife uh, my partner my partner was a pe- he ended up wanting to run the business which was great and uh, it, we had a great relationship it worked out fine but at the end of the day when you're looking at a check at 31 years old right. it's going to completely change your life right. like and you're talking to your wife and yeah. you're realizing that everything's gonna, it's just crazy you're man like, yeah. so.
0: Okay. All right. It, so you didn't go in yeah, saying, yeah. I'm going to get into pests because I want to exit in five years. You just said, I want to get into pests. It seems like a good business. I can make good money in it. And yep. then that's sort of what happens. I get that too. A lot of people just tell me like, Hey, the best thing you can do is just run a good business. If you run a good business, your options will be pre- like yep. presented to you. Right. Especially in the game of pests that we know people are buying pest control companies, right? Like that's, that's what's happening. So as long as you run a good business, recurring revenue is there. You got a clean process you're gonna have your options, whether you wanna keep that or you wanna flip it or sell it, it'll be yep. there. So I always like to ask that question. And then the other thing, because you have a sales background, you're in sales, like I love to ask this. When, when I used to do marketing for pest control companies, you know, back in the day when I was at an agency doing that, one of the biggest challenges is to <laughs> sort of tell the residential homeowner to keep paying me money, me the pest shop, keep paying me money every month, even when the pest problem goes away. Because it's like pest control is a control. It's not what we used to call extermination, which I think is why I got rid of that term. And recurring revenue requires somebody to buy into this, this sort of, what I say, it's like a physical, it's like preventative. Um, so how, how did you go about, what, you know, give me some tactics there that you, that, that like in a, in, a, in a motion or a sales process where it's like, you can really make that effect. And then secondarily, how do you get them to stay? Cause that's, that's the <laughs> catch, right? Cause hey, why do I need to pay you anymore? My problem is gone. Wow,
1: um, okay, so this is a great question, and this is another one that we could go on for hours about., uh, we build these processes every single week, every single month, and they they evolve all the time. And so I think the first so I'm gonna try to talk as 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 full u s picture as I possibly yep. can. I could go by region by region by yep. region and give you tactical things, but but the here here's the thing is that if a consumer, if a consumer, comes to your organization with a pest control problem and they fit your ideal customer profile on the top of the of the ideal customer profile curve is the reality is is that the Whatever problem they had is going to come back. Correct. Right? We would all yep. agree with that. Yes. And so, as part of a sales process, let's say it's an inbound sales process, is that the faster that we can take control of the discussion, the faster that we can create comfort in our organization, the faster that we can give them a description that makes logical sense, and the fast, and the faster we can get a credit card on file, the longer they're going to stay. And so, where companies really struggle is the fact that they their their process starts like this: a ring, ring, whatever they say. Hey, so tell me what your problem is. Right, they start telling yep. the customer the customer tells the problem. They start asking the cu- customer questions about their problem. Yep. The customer is not a pest control expert. So their level of stress elevates. Correct. The second their stress elevates, they become a commodity. Once they're once they become a commodity, then the customer may or may not stay as soon as the problem's solved. Yep, that's it.
0: Yep, is that helpful? Yeah, no, it is. I always say what I always tell people in the in the game is that the thing about pest control is that it's one of the more the thing that drives purchase, one of the things that drives purchase the most, is fear. Like the things that drives decisions and drives things in a human is fear, because like yep. we are we are primitive beings. Our brains are very primitive. We react by emotion first, and then we rational. We try to rationalize our way out of it second. But we were driven. You see a mouse in your basement. It's like there's a mouse in my basement, right? <laughs> what, I got, what like so you're worked up. So that should be a very that should ooh. Did you hear that? Thunder and lightning? Is that us? Wow, that was impressive. Like, right on cue. All right, it's all good. (laughs) So the thing about that, like, when they're on the phone and they've made that call, they're in a very heightened emotional state, most people. They want to get rid of that. Nobody wants, like, mice, ants in their house. So that should be one of the more easy sales to make because as long as you're going to fix the problem for them... You should be able to you should be able to sell that customer all the time because they they already are in that state. Do you agree with that? Because I feel like it's very different in some different sales. Like if I need to buy a pair of sneakers, you know, I'm going to buy a pair of sneakers. I could take my time. I might not need them. And but if I got a mouse in my basement, I want that thing out of my freaking basement. Right. So I'm going to make that I really just want it to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, first off, I would tell you that I'm a sneaker guy. And so Same, if, uh, me too. that's why I went yeah, to sneakers. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really wait on sneakers. I just click the button as fast as I can. <laughs> just probably like you do. But um, but no, I, I would agree with you. So, you know, I would agree with you. And so the challenge that we faced, which I think any listeners are going to th- really think about after I say it, is that what we're doing, though, is we're having our inside sales or our CSRs ask questions and we're not training them correctly to elevate the stress. And so that person who comes with the level right. of fear now doesn't know the right answer to give you. And right. we're trying to solve something on the phone that doesn't make logical sense.
0: Okay, all right, got it, got it. But do you think that like, you know, I always say like, you, you we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take care of that for you. Here's what we're gonna do. Like, it's very reassuring. It's bringing them down. Take, like you said, not not yep. making it go up, Bringing them down, and I always heard that yeah. we could again. We could talk about this probably forever, but it's like where you where you place price, how long it takes you to get to the number, like how do you do it? You tell them all the great things and how it's going to be solved. Then you do the number. Don't throw the number up front before you tell them all the things. So I would say like it can be done. It's very it's a very sort of logical progression, but it, like you said, it's a process and it needs to be stuck to. That's the thing. Got to identify that process. You got to stick to it. And everybody yep. who answers that phone, it's got to be doing the same thing. That's the thing too, because then you get some people that are doing it differently. All right. then so we got a little bit of time. So I want to make sure I get to the, like the, the consulting aspect of the business right now. Tell me a little bit about like what, what it is. Are there certain areas of business that you, that you focused on, or is it like, how do I engage with you in that, in the, in your, in your world? Yeah. So in our consulting
1: practice, uh, so our consulting practice, we are, we're, we're often referred to as a mini McKinsey for the pest control industry. So we have a, a super solid team. It started with sales consulting, but now we're in all the cross-functional departments. The only component we aren't involved in is marketing, just simply because I don't like the emotional connect component yeah. with marketing. I just like the data. Um, and so typically, typically we work at the CEO level, the executive level, and uh, we build all the infrastructure. We build every process you can imagine in the organizations. Um, and we do it really, really well. All the measurements, we handle virtually every component these CEOs need. Um, and it, and it's, it's a really powerful program. Um, from an engagement standpoint, uh, the pro, we we only take on a certain number of clients. We take on thirty two at a time. It's been booked out for years, and uh, it's on back it's on backlog right now. So um, because I work with those people individually, I've got a support team that supports me. We've got our own data scientists and a bunch of other people that are there. Uh, and that's that business. Um, and and honestly, it's the part that I love because I get to work with these executives and build companies all over the country. So you know, um, and so the companies tend to stay with us forever uh, or until they decide to take an exit. Uh, or until we build their succession planning for them. And so we've been running that business since 2017.
0: So you you talked about before I heard you say something like we're getting data back from these markets. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what you mean by that and what kind of da- what kind of data yep. are you getting back?
1: Yeah, well, there's a tremendous amount, right? So so if you think about every single CRM, you guys, yep. everybody else, we have access to all of them, right? right? And so it's critically important for us to see that data. We also have we also see all of the marketing data fleeting in from all their agencies. Yeah. Um, So you're pulling it
0: all in, you're pulling all into like some sort of warehouse system or something like that. And then, well, we have
1: every way, every situation is a little bit different because, because we have to be agnostic to systems because someone who uses, someone who uses, you know, field routes or they have different systems or different marketing technology. um, And then we have to do the work on our end to make it the way that we want. And uh, very shortly, very shortly, we do have a solution to to pull it all together, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. But, um, but to answer your question, the data that I care about is I want the service operations data we get from the CRMs. Uh, I then want the marketing data that comes from the agencies. And then finally with Fraction, our CPA bookkeeping company, which is highly sophisticated from a data standpoint, is that if, if we have permission, even if they're a client, they still have to grant permission to me, is that then from that perspective, I have financial data, Marketing, marketing data and service operations data, and we can actually take a look at it all together. And it
0: really helps from a predictive standpoint moving forward, it's pretty amazing. All right, that's what's up. And do you build, like, I'm a I'm a data guy too. I always say, like, I like to build a, build sort of a cockpit of flashing lights so I know what, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching them. Do you do you work by that? Do you have indicators? Do you have things that you're looking at and you're like, yeah, man, that thing is flashing, I gotta go in, then you dive in. Is that how you roll, like big top down and then you isolate and go in, is that is that your approach?
1: Um, it, so it would vary based on the scope and scale of the clients. so if I, if some of, so if I've got a client that's a thirty million dollar company uh, there's uh, we're looking at a lot a lot of different things in a company has yeah. two and a half two and a half million dollar business and uh, but yeah, essentially you're essentially the question the answer is yes. Uh, essentially, the answer is yes in a variety of different ways.
0: All right. So before before we we close, uh, before I get into this rapid fire, I will, like I like to do this too. So if like I'm listening to this and I'm saying to myself, "Wow, man, it sounds this guy knows what he's talking about. He's done it." I'm sort of uh, you know it's, it's it's we're recording this. It's July. Um, you know, it's going to be end of summer, and we're going to get sort of into maybe a little bit of a slower time. Um, I wonder if Seth could offer some advice on what, what I should do. How do we get, how do we get ready for, for a slowdown? I hear that I get this a lot. Like, are there any things to do? Like if you, either, I know like recurring revenue is the game, so you can normalize that a bit, but in your experience, is any sort of advice on that regard or just in general with keep keeping growth going even in a slower time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give a couple of key things here. Cause this is obviously something we deal with all the time. So I'll give a couple of key things. Number one, number one is that in your if if you are in a cold weather market, uh, shift your business to a subscription based model as soon as you possibly can. Monthly monthly billing, recurring, rep, whatever your service frequencies are, as soon as you possibly can. It'll take you eighteen to twenty four months to flatten it out through the winter time. Um, after that, I would I would st- I would take a look at your uh, I would take a look at any tech changes that you guys are looking to make a change in. Take a look at them all, think about them, talk to your reps decide it coming into the winter because it's a really good time to do it. Uh, The next thing I would do, the next thing I would do is, and this is something that's really important, obviously in our business in the the accounting world, is I would be sure that you're, I would take a look at your numbers and be sure that your numbers can guide you into the future. If they can't, there is ways to do it and start to take a look at that kind of stuff. Um, And then I think think lastly, I think lastly is take care of your people. And so too often companies, when they come into wintertime, Uh, money gets tight and so and we forget about our people but what we also forget about is the cost of bringing these people back Back in a meaningful way yeah and and that's a super super important thing so uh and i could go on and on with different tactical
0: things yeah that makes a lot of sense right well thank you man all right listen before we close we see how fast that goes um looking at my little timer and we're ready ready to pass time uh i do this thing and i do a quick i do a quick rapid fire so i'm gonna give you this you cannot think just just say all right that's how this game goes you ready sure all right here we go text or talk text dark chocolate or milk dark same cats or dogs dogs summer or winter summer morning or evening morning beach or pool (laughs) beach i threw that in because you went to the beach today salty (laughs) salty or sweet salty favorite day of the week sunday nickname you ever been called G-Man. G-Man. Would you, <laughs> would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. How long does it take you to get ready? 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm quick too. Scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? 10. Invisibility or super strength? S- invisibility. Rats or mice? Rats. Bees or wasps? Bees. And if you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Yes. And is this podcast the best podcast you've ever been on? Sure. yeah, sure. Safe answer, my <laughs> man, Seth, Seth. Dude, I want to thank you so much for joining the Field Famous Podcast today. Before we close, is there any way if someone's like, dude, this guy is great. Like, how can I reach out yep. to this guy? Where can they go to find you?
1: Yeah, so so you guys could go to, uh, to to Pest Daily, uh, www.pestdaily.com. Take a look. You guys can get to it. Contact through there or through Fraction, uh, Fraction, F-R-A-X-N.com. Go check both of them out and uh, our teams get you in contact with me.
0: All right. That's what's up, everybody. Go to BeFeelFamous.com. You can find more information about this show and other shows. Tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And remember, your success is fame worthy. So come tell your story, my friend. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, man. See you soon.